I never feel like I'm working. I feel like it's an art form and it's play and it's creative um, and it's fun and it's challenging and rewarding and it's problem solving and puzzle solving, but work for many people is a four letter word. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. I always say I'm just a girl from Ohio with really big dreams. And now I work from home running a dream business that helps you achieve your goals and create more joy in your life. This podcast is all about all the topics that really matter to you. And it's about giving you everything you need in one place. Mindset, relationships, wellness, lifestyle, money, business, and career. We have it all. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 247, how to discover your superpowers and journey down your aligned path with Giovanni Marsico. Giovanni is the founder of Archangel, which brings together visionaries so they can help each other achieve dreams and change the world. His flagship event, Archangel Summit, attracts more than 3,000 leaders every year to learn from the world's top speakers in business development and personal growth. And today, I'm so excited to bring this conversation to you because it's such a beautiful reminder that regardless Regardless of how we grow up, the idiosyncrasies that we have, our personality traits, whether we're an introvert or extrovert, it has no impact on our level of success. And we all have superpowers that we can bring to the surface and use to help us transform the world. Giovanni is one of the people I most admire in the online space. So I'm so pumped to have him share his story with you, all the ups and downs, all the surprises, all the things that he's doing now to transform the world. And he's someone I highly recommend you follow and learn from because he has so much wisdom and he definitely does things a little bit differently than the rest of us. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Gio. I'm so excited to have you here and have this time with you and hear more about your story and all of the amazing superpowers that you possess, because I know there's so many and people are going to be so inspired. So welcome. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm honored, actually. That's a better word for it, because I really admire you. I admire what you've built, and I admire you as a person. And I know that there's a lot of people out in the entrepreneurial space that we think are great at what they do in terms of building businesses and all the things, but I think you're so genuine, and I'm always just honored to be in your presence. So I know we're going to have a good conversation. Thank you so much. So I'm always curious to know about the story behind the success. So tell us how you got started and how you came to do all of this work in the world. There is so much of this story to to get into. I'll give you the sort of summary, but the fun parts, the entertaining parts of the story start when I was in, like there's a, a scene of the movie of me in grade school, fourth grade, fifth grade. The school did IQ testing. I scored really high and I was labeled as gifted. And once a week started going to a separate school for gifted programming and then got bullied when I got back to my main school and learned to hate that word gifted because it was why I was picked on, made fun of, and it didn't really make sense. And then in high school, discovered comic books. And this is in the 90s when it wasn't cool to be talking about superheroes. You were considered words like nerd or geek. And even those words didn't have the coolness that they do today. So people like me had to read these things in private and hang out with other people like me. And one day I opened up my first X-Men that I ever bought, X-Men comics. 
And the first page I saw, it said Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. And I found that word again, but now gifted meant superpower. And it changed my whole life at, at 16 years old. And I thought, when I grow up, I want to lead a team of superheroes like Professor X, the, the person who runs the X-Men. And it was hilarious to my friends, but I was really serious. And when at the same time, I started producing dance parties for teenagers. So my best friend and I would rent out like Italian banquet halls. I don't know how we got away with so much of what we did because we were 16. Our very first event had a thousand people. So I discovered I loved creating immersive experiences. I loved bringing people together. And at the same time, my parents would say things like, stop dreaming, you know, get your head out of the clouds. Don't do these party things, go to school, get a job, all that kind of stuff that parents often say. But I kept doing the events. At one point we had 5,000 people a week. And what we would do is find nightclubs and create a night exclusively for teenagers. So there's no alcohol, no drugs, super safe. And it was so much fun. And how did but you market that? We had an army of promoters. So we were using, I learned so much when I was young that people like us still do today. Yeah. But this is pre-internet. So like the internet wasn't even a thing yet. It just started. It was 1996, 97. And we were in every high school. We, we had representation everywhere in the Toronto area, which is where I grew up. And we had affiliates. So what, what the marketing world today would call like affiliate marketing, we would tell our promoters for every person that you bring with your own special flyer that has a code on it, we'll pay you a dollar a person or something. So we were doing this at like 18, 19 years old without understanding that that's what we were doing. And then we would bring in these big dance music sort of bands like the Venga Boys uh, for a concert. It was what I do today, just in a different format. Oh my uh, goodness. That's amazing. Thank you. So I, ha I had that in my blood, but my parents kept harping on the school thing. So I actually stopped all the event stuff, went to university, wasn't a fan, dropped out. And that led me into the only actual job I ever had because I, I had so much marketing experience and I was working part-time jobs at banks and stuff, but worked at a company called Strategic Coach, which is run by one of the smartest people on the planet, Dan Sullivan. And I was doing the marketing for the company and I realized I was unemployable like many entrepreneurs do. So I left in 2005, started marketing, coaching and consulting that led me into the real estate space, which I crushed and hated at the same time. And that happens to- What did you hate about it? it? It just was not aligned with me. I, I was working with people in a very specific niche of pre-construction condo investment. So I would help people make more money by buying a piece of paper that said they owned a thing that was going to be built in the future. I was one of the top people in that space. Like I sold $200 million worth of condos and I was winning awards and I was in magazines and secretly just hating, like being very depressed. But how do you tell people when you're very popular in a specific industry, when people look up to you to say that you hate what you do, because it just wasn't aligned with my values and who I was. And I didn't understand it at the time. I did it because I wanted to make money. Like a lot of people, I want to pay the bills and that leads to successes. It was like climbing up this giant mountain and then realizing I'm on the wrong mountain. But I couldn't have realized it until I got to that mountain. Afforded me the chance to invest in myself and, and join mastermind groups and, and go to conferences and, and do a lot of personal development. And then realizing that the thing that was missing was my own community. So in 2014, I launched Archangel as a side thing during real estate to start doing events, to find people like me who were had giant hearts, uh, wanted to help a lot of other people and, and focus on mission and impact. And it just blew up to the point where there was so much pain of the real estate compared now that I had contrast, like a, it felt like finding my soulmate and it wow. was like my soulmate business and the people I was hanging out with were my people finally and real estate weren't. And I quit 
in 2016, I went all in with the Archangel Project, started doing our big summit event. We had 1,500 people the first time, and then 2,000 and 3,000, and then launched coaching programs and mastermind groups. And now we have a global community, thousands of us all over the world. We've produced a, a movie that won three Emmy Awards. We podcast and books and just a lot of stuff, but it's all about helping people like me and you make a bigger impact and to be around other people who want to make bigger impacts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love all of this. And we started off talking about the fact that you are a powerful person and you have superpowers. So I'd love to know, you know, amidst your parents telling you to go to school and stop doing all the dance parties and all of that, like, where do you think you got the desire for that? I'm curious to know where you think that came from. It's a pattern that I've seen in myself multiple times that I see in other people where you have an experience or you have a problem and then you solve your own problem or you recreate the experience the way you would want it, right? So I started attending events, even at 16, other people's parties, thinking, wait a minute, I can do this and I would do it way better or different. And that's how it sparked. Same with Archangel. 2012 and 13, I would join mastermind groups and go to other people's events. And the same kind of thing happened to think like, I love what you're doing, it's awesome, but my way would be way different and this is how I would do it. And I wanna be around more people like me where there's aligned values and it's not just about how do we make more money. Not that that's not important, but to me, money is the tool that fuels the mission, but it's not the mission itself. Yeah. Right. So I wanna be around people who think like me and I stepped up and led. No one had the group, no one started it, so I might as well start it myself. Yeah. That's crazy. I love it. So one of the things that I really resonate with is the story of, of the dance parties, because when I was younger, I went to a Catholic school and we were the new school in the, the diocese and they had these dances and they didn't include us. And so one day I decided I was going to write a letter to every single principal at all the other schools saying we exist and we would love for you to invite us. So lo and behold, a few weeks later, they invited us. And so we got to go to these dances and that was one of the first moments I really recognized the power of my voice. And although I didn't know it at the time that I could have influence just by sharing what it was that I wanted and like asking the question. So I think there's so much we can learn from our younger selves. And if we're kind of one of the lucky ones, we come back to that, even if it has been kind of drilled out of us, or we were told we can't do it. You know, there's this inherent knowing and way about us that then comes back in adulthood, which is really special. I love that. And you would probably love then that the elementary school where I was bullied was called St. Gabriel, the Archangel. And the high school where I started these events was called St. Michael, the Archangel. Oh my goodness. The word has followed me my whole life. And that's kind of where the brand, the company name came from, but also because I'm a word nerd. I love etymology, like the history of where words come from. The word Archangel comes from ancient Greek and Arcos, the first part means leader and Angelos, the word for angel means messenger. And we are a community of leaders and messengers. Definitely. So that takes me to my next big question around your story. So you were in real estate doing something that didn't light you up, but making a lot of money. And I want to point out that the way you phrase that is so beautiful. You were on the wrong mountain, but there was no way for you to know that until you actually got to the top. Right. And I think so many people are in that place and they're resentful of where they currently are, but they only have the clarity because they're on the mountain. So there is something that we can be grateful for. And so you started to attend these events and then you decided to create your own. And 
as somebody who also hosts events, knowing that you had 1500 people at the very first one is like mind blowing to me. So can you please tell us how you did that right out of the gate? Oh, there's so much fun strategy behind all of it. It didn't start with 1500. Our first events were smaller, intimate mastermind style. So we, the very first event in 2014 had 120 people and the tickets were 500 each or something. And then we started doing a California, like an LA mastermind event where it was 3000 and 4,000 and 5,000 a ticket and it just kept going up to 10,000. Uh, so that's how it started. And then in, when I quit real estate, it opened up so much space for me to plan bigger. And I think what I focused completely on is developing relationship and network by being useful and by constantly giving and being resourceful for people. So I have this philosophy called the aligned path, right? Because a lot of times people say, how did you get such huge speakers to your first summit event? So our 2016 event ahead, Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, Robin Sharma, and a bunch of others, I had no relationship with any of them. So the question then is, how does that happen? And Seth Godin is one of my heroes, and I don't use that word very often, but I just, I've read every book and I love him and his philosophies. So I thought I want him to be at this event. How do I invite him? The only thing, I had no direct connection. The only thing I knew is that he checked his email because he's weird <laughs> that way. Um, so I emailed him and I said, Seth, I'm your biggest fan and I know you've heard that a million times and I've read every book of yours and I know you've heard that a million times, but here's the one thing you haven't heard a million times that I'm a case study for you because I want to show you how I've used what you've taught me to build this epic thing. And I broke it down because of your book tribes. I built this tribe because of purple cow. I did this because of, and I actually showed him how I've used his wisdom. And I said, because of me being your student producing this big event, that would only exist because of you. And I would love all of this to come full circle and have you speak at this event that was created because I'm your student. And his response was something like, how do I say no to this? And the aligned path concept is every single human is on their own path and they want to get further down their path. And if you can help them get further down their path before you ever ask for anything or by asking for something where there's a benefit for that person, that's how you can ask people for things. And the question then became, where is Seth and what's important to him? Like someone who's super successful. It's not about money. Like we paid and we offered money, but that still isn't the biggest incentive for people. There's usually other things. And what I discovered is that for someone like him, the incentive is to know that his work matters. Like anyone who's where he's at, they want to know that all of the crap they've been through and all of the hardships and all of the struggle was worth it. And to have someone say, I listened to you and I implemented, and now I'm impacting thousands of people, I think is the biggest gift you can give someone. So that, that's how that happened. And then once you do that for one person, you can start figuring out, okay, how do I help other people in this way? Even if there's no way for reciprocity or them to do something back for you, I think it's such a good philosophy to just say, how can I be of service? Yeah. That's such a great example. And I love that the aligned path. So how would you, you know, for people listening, how would they be able to identify what the aligned path actually is? Is it through watching somebody speak, reading the books, like just observing them? Yeah. I'll tell you what not to do. Okay. Is ask them. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. the worst, like the worst thing you could ever ask someone. And because I'm sure you've been asked this and I've been asked is how can I help you? Because the answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know you. How, how am I supposed to know? Now you're giving me homework <laughs> to try to figure out who you are and how you could be valuable to me versus the person asking 
to do the homework. It's up to us to figure it all out. You have to follow them, watch what they're doing, look what they're interested in, figure out where they're going, listen to every podcast they're on, read all their books. Like It's up to you to do the homework. It can't be convenient for you because then everyone would do it. Thank you for sharing that. Such a great reminder. So the first event had, or the first big conference yeah. had the 1500 people. How did you actually get all those seats filled? Was it because of the speakers and all of you know their publicity or popularity, I should say? The funny answer, which is the truth, is that I invited 3000 people. I know it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I haven't really done much advertising ever. Actually, we launched the company eight years ago and we just launched our website. Wow. And it's not even finished. It's just it's archangel.cc. It's like a work in progress. All I did was build relationships. Like, how do you get 3,000 people to an event? I know 3,000 people. And it's so weird to say that. Not that I have 3,000 best friends, but I've interacted with 3,000 people and I remember them and I can recall who they are. Like when someone asks me, I want to start a business, I would say, make a list, like open up an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet and make a list of everybody, you know, and they almost laugh at me. It's like, but that's what I, I still, even today, I still do this because relationship trumps everything. I'd rather have someone I know that I invite versus doing ads to cold traffic and having a, a bunch of strange people who have no frame of reference to who I am uh, show up. And part of what we do is community building. And the more you understand who you are and what drives you and what uh, you believe in, what your values are, then you start finding more people like you. And the coolest thing that happens is that when you connect two people who are aligned with you to each other, they become BFFs. Mm -hmm. And when you do that on a sort of community level, it is the most magical thing because people will often say, well, I came to your event because I wanted to see blah, blah, blah speak. But then I met all of these amazing humans and it was almost like unbelievable that they exist. And that's the best part for me. It's, it's that part. It's like, I can't believe that there is this huge group of people who are like me. I totally get that, especially when you start doing the work on yourself or you start a business and do something that's different than the norm, you start to feel like no one in your immediate circle gets you. So then when you find that tribe, it's it's like that aha moment, like you were saying, and it becomes unbelievable. And I know for me, that's one of the things I never expected to love so much. Like I didn't start my business thinking, oh, I'm going to build a community, but that's what happened. And to see these women become lifelong friends and to support each other in their endeavors and help each other emotionally in all the different ways. It's such a joy to witness. Totally. And so I just want to ask a few more details about this. <laughs> you yeah. know, 3000 people, is this through masterminds? Like wh where do you know these people from? At the time it was going to different events. It was a, a lot of events, like in-person things, meetups, being connected, and then even following people on social media and then being useful, like not being um, annoying. You can't ask people for things. You can only give and the more you give and the more you are useful and genuinely useful, not like I'm pretending to give you something because I actually want something. Most people can see through that. So, so if like, you're online, like connecting to somebody and you're not asking them, how can I help you? What does it look like for you to be genuinely useful? What do you say? I'm constantly thinking it's that same kind of question in my head of where is this person going and how can I help them get there faster? Either through an idea or a connection or introduction or a resource or something I've done that 
makes sense or is useful? And how do I even acknowledge people? Just to say, I see you. I love what you're doing. That's awesome. I'm a fan or whatever. It just to, to make people smile. Like that should be the test. Did the person smile when they received your message or did yeah. they find it annoying? Because that's one of the things I think is so intriguing about you. And James and I have spoken about this. You like, I'm learning about you behind the scenes. You had dance parties and things like that, but you're not like the guy that comes out and looks like the life of the party, like, because you're very soft-spoken and you're such a great listener. And you're not just like this, the person that craves the attention. And you and I have talked about this as well. You're only now doing the podcast and your book and putting yourself out there. And so I'm curious to know, like, is that also one of the superpowers, just listening and being an observer and people feel like they trust you versus yeah, that person who needs all the attention. I think it's part of my DNA and, and or even gift or superpower to make people feel safe. It's something I've, part of that comes from not feeling safe, I mean, so, right? So if for anyone who's ever been bullied or had traumatic things happen, I find that we often unlock or unleash our gifts through painful experiences and, or we have a painful experience and we want to help other people avoid them. Right. So I moved, I went to five different elementary schools. I was often the new kid and didn't fit in. So now for a living, I make people fit in, right? I create community. I create for the people who don't fit in. I want you to be in my world. If you feel like an alien or if you stand out or you stick out, especially because you're different then to me, that's a thing that can be celebrated. So I think that has always been there. And when you start to identify what those gifts are for you, to actually focus on them and not think of them as a curse. I'm introverted, or I think, I don't actually know anymore. It seems to be a weird spectrum and, and I can yeah, shift around. I was going to ask. <laughs> but I used to be super shy and still produce these giant events. It's like, let me just bring a bunch of people together and let them talk to each other. They don't have to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I resonate with that. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do my thing. I, I still do this. Like I'll have 10, 20 people come to my house for a coffee and then I'll be like, you guys talk. Yeah, I'm going to go into the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they love it. So it's identifying those parts of you that first you might think is a curse or a weakness and thinking, how is it actually a strength or a superpower? And how do I leverage this? That's all I've ever done. I, I've never needed spotlight in that way. I'm not like the performer on stage, even though I've forced myself to do that sometimes. And I have no anxiety about being, that's the weird thing. I'm happy to jump on stage in front of 3000 people and speak. And I don't get any anxiety at any event I do. People think I'm weird. They'll show up thinking, oh my God, how are you not nervous? There's 3,000 people coming. Who knows what can go wrong? And I just have a knowing that things will always unfold and work well. And I have an amazing team. So I don't get nervous. And is that something that's always been the case? Or did you work towards that mindset and that level of calm? No, I, I used to have insane anxiety. In 2007, when my first marriage ended, that year, I had such severe panic attacks. One of them I thought was a heart attack. I actually called 911, had an ambulance come thinking I was having a heart attack. And they said, no, this is just a really bad panic attack. And I, through that experience, just did a lot of work for and on myself to figure all this out and to understand how our brains work, all this works and to gain that sort of control over thought so that I can stay in one of my new favorite words, which is equanimity which means to stay peaceful, even in a crisis or, or just like there's, there's craziness happening yeah. around you and you're centered and calm and it's very healthy to be in this state. And I'm hoping to help other people figure this out. 
Is there any one thing that you feel helped you the most in maintaining that, that level of calm? There's a lot of things. I think whenever there's an experience or an event that brings up emotion or, or what some people would say like triggers you or, or makes you feel fear is to pause and figure out where that's coming from because it's not the thing. It's not the event that's happening today. It's something that happened before. And that thing that's happening today is reminding you of a pain you don't want to experience again. And I think it's it's to be like, I, I've, I've worked with therapists and I've worked with different coaches and it's usually there's a little child inside you that starts driving the bus and is scared and you have to make that child feel safe. And one of the, th don't laugh, but one of the things I visualize that came out of a, with a therapist is myself as a baby in a crib, in my crib when I was a baby, surrounded by the Avengers. <laughs> so all like Iron Man and Spider-Man and Hulk, they're all surrounding this little baby in Thor and me as one of the, like adult me as one of the heroes. And no one's going to mess with that baby now. It's so hilarious. Whenever anything might bubble up, I just pause. I think of that and I'm like, okay, I'm good. How does adult me deal with whatever's happening? I'm obsessed with that. That's amazing. Thanks. And it's kind of, it fits into what you just said. You also know, you know, flash forward to today, you know, you have an incredible team around you. So you're not doing this alone. You have that support system, whether it's you and the Avengers or you and the, the current <laughs> Archangel right. Avengers, right? They, and they are my, uh, my X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I'm also curious to know, amidst everything happening in the world, COVID events shutting down, did you have to pivot or had you set up the masterminds and the programs and all of that? And, and before you answer that, I did get the opportunity to attend a few of your virtual events. So I know that that was happening, which is incredible, but I'd love to know, you know, what was it like behind the scenes for you and your company when a lot of what you were doing was in person? Our last in-person event was where I saw you, <laughs> wow. which was... January 2020 in Hollywood. And I'm super grateful. A year before that, I made the decision to shift how we think about our company as an events company to a membership company. And that was, looking back, a super smart idea. Where the events weren't the focus anymore, the events were the bonus of being a member of, of what we're doing. And when all of the weirdness started, like that March and April, I had zero anxiety. And I, I shifted right from where is the opportunity right now to step up and lead because looking around, people in the community and everywhere were panicked. So I remember that April, we did our first online mastermind experience. And I thought, I don't want this to be a replacement or an alternative to an in-person thing. It's gonna be its own unique and different thing. So we called it a Nexus event, which is a word for an online mastermind. And I don't like the word virtual because virtual to me means almost as good as. So we called it its own thing and it was amazing. And then every day, for six months, I did a Facebook live in our community for free teaching. I'm like, if everyone's nervous and panicked and worried, I'm going to step up. I'll give gift my time every single day until people are okay. And then even in our memberships, I did like four extra calls a week myself just to have people jump on. And if they were in trouble or they needed to pivot or ch change, I would coach them through how to change. And we had so many of our members literally have their best year ever in 2020 because they, it's starting with the belief that, wait a minute. I'm not stuck in how I currently do things. I'm focusing on the people I want to serve. And then where are they going and how do I get them there in a different way? 
Wow. That speaks to your generous nature, which I know is one of the reasons you are here today. But I also think that it's really interesting because I know there's a lot of people listening who are like, wow, you know, that takes so much time. But when you love what you do, you want to do it and you give openly. And I think that's one of the topics of today's conversation is just finding that thing that lights you up, whether it's that soulmate business or career path or whatever it is, because then you will go above and beyond and it won't feel like work. It won't feel stressful. It won't feel like there's an obligation. You just desire to do it and people can feel that. I never feel like I'm working. Yeah. There's no distinction. I feel like it's an art form and it's play and it's creative um, and it's fun and it's challenging and rewarding and it's problem solving and puzzle solving. But work for many people is a four letter word. It's the thing they don't want to do, but they have to because they have to make money to pay bills or whatever that. And that's what real estate was for me, even though I, I did really well. This is a different thing. I actually love the word gifted. I'm writing a book now called Gifted. Like the whole premise is that we each have a gift that we can share with other people and we can do that in exchange for money and be impactful and serve. And it doesn't feel like work when it's aligned with who you are. It just feels like you're giving yourself. Yeah. And how do you feel if there's somebody listening who doesn't know what their gifts are, how would you recommend they identify that? I'm creating a whole framework for this. Okay. In, we can in have the you book, on but I, No, but I, like the part of it, <laughs> okay. I'll give you a couple of fun questions. One is what did you get in trouble for when you were a kid? There's a pattern I've noticed often, not for every single person, but often where as children, like when you're zero to 10 years old, you have no filter. There's no voice telling you that there's something wrong with you. Inside your head, it's usually outside your head of people telling you what's wrong with you. And then we internalize that stuff. But we are naturally ourselves. And then we're told to stop doing the things that are naturally ourselves because it makes us stand out and it makes us different. And to survive, we need to fit in, right? So if someone is very loud or boisterous or talks a lot, they're told to stop talking because you're making too much noise and you need to fit in. Or if someone... Uh, like me is a, a dreamer or daydreamer. It's like, stop dreaming, get your head out of the clouds. You need to fit in. Or if someone loves- I was bossy. Yeah, there you go. Well, what, <laughs> is, what, what does that mean? You're a leader. But again, we all have that thing and we would almost get in trouble for it because it made us stand out. And to go back to that and think, what was that? What were those things? And if I did those things today, what would that mean? And how could that be useful for other people? Oh, I love that. I can't wait to hear everyone's answers. I want people to be commenting <laughs> and sending us what theirs was. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So one of the other things I want to point out about your community that I love is just how you infuse different elements to your events, whether it's Nexus or in person. And, you know, specifically the Nexus one that I was on, you had this whole like opening video. I don't know the terminology. We were just basically transported into this otherworldly <laughs> experience. I can't even describe it, but it was so creative and just fun and different from other things that I've seen. And I just wanted to point that out because I think so often we stay within the box and we forget about the other creative superpowers that we have or other ways to bring in, whether it's theater or art or whatever film into the coaching space, into the consulting space. And I love that you do that. Thank you. Yeah. I, one of my other childhood dreams was to produce movies and to be in the movie business. So when even at 16 years old, when we would produce our events, we would have theatrics, we would have 
things that made you feel like you were in a movie theater with a show element happening and doing entrepreneurial events, I would do the same thing. So we would always say, you know, the event starts at 9 a.m. And then at 9 a.m., all the lights go out and then the screen turns on and you think you almost have this feeling that you're in a movie theater and a, and a story is starting. And we would actually film opening sequences, like actual, like the first five minutes of a movie, we would actually film with actors and different things. And then we would have that transition into a stage show with circus performers and vocalists and musicians and all kinds of stuff to, to create this like tension and excitement about what's about to unfold. Because anyone going to, let's say a business conference, you just so used, it's like, okay, yay, I'm the MC. Now we're gonna introduce our first speaker. Yay, this is the speaker. And it's like, ah, and it's very educational. But to create a memorable experience, you have to infuse other elements like entertainment and aesthetic and escapism and emotion. And when you have yeah. all that combined, people leave wanting to talk about what just happened. So I do the same thing in online events. I'll be doing the same thing in my podcast when we launch that, in my book when we launch that. And then even we're now producing movies. And part of the goal is to create a whole new genre called real life superhero movies. Right? We love the Iron Mans and the Spider-Mans, but I think there's people like me and you uh, and people that we know that are actual superheroes because we're creating massive impact. And those are the stories I want people to know about. So we had our produced our first film called Dreamer. It's not officially out yet. Like we're working on distribution for some big streaming platforms that I can't mention, but the film has already won three Emmy Awards. And we did an online premiere last summer. We had a hundred thousand people register to watch it for free and they said it changed their life. This is what I want to do. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so beautiful. So I want to ask you what you're most excited about, but I don't know how you're going to pick what's next for you. <laughs> the thing I'm always excited about is stories. When people share what I did for Seth is the thing I get most excited about. So people come to me saying, here's the impact that you and your work and your team has had on, on me in my business so that I can help a lot more people. That's the consistent thing that I'm always looking forward to. And everything we create is, is to make that happen. Right. So working on our next film, we just started planning and hopefully it'll be filmed next year and then we'll set the release date. It's just so amazing to talk to somebody like you, who's so obviously happy about the work that they're doing and just in love with it. Cause that, unfortunately, I know you and I are trying to change this. That's not the norm as we already mentioned. So yeah, I'm grateful for you showing people what's possible as well. When you follow your heart and your passions. Thank you. So the final question we ask all of our guests here on the I Heart My Life show is what is one way, if you can just pick one, that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Well, I think what allowed me to create my current life, which I would label a dream life, or it was my dream life. I think it, the dreams keep getting bigger. Yeah. And it gets really fun to make them come true. But I, if I had to boil it down, the one variable that allowed this to happen is who I surrounded myself with because I created the opportunity and community of people who dream even bigger than me to show me what's possible. I think we're often stuck in our limiting belief of what's possible because of our own paradigms or what we've been taught or shown. And then we just assume that's all there is until you start meeting people who have done bigger things 
and then you realize it's possible and then it opens up the door of possibility for you. So I think, and that's part of what I, in, in the work I'm doing is to showcase those people to say, if I can do it, if they've done it, you can totally do it too. And you can do your own thing and make it even bigger and better. So I think it's to surround yourself with people who dream bigger so that you can dream bigger. Yeah. Even just listening to this episode and speaking to you today, I already have you know, moved some of my dreams in my mind forward and Good. thought about how they could be bigger. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So we mentioned that the website is somewhat up. Uh, where do people find you? How do they get into your world? Archangel.cc is the website. Um, you can start there. And then Instagram is at gifted with geo G I O. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time here. And I'm so excited to witness everything that's unfolding for you in the community and to be a part of it in some way. And just, yeah, thank you for everything you brought to this conversation as well as to the world over the past few years. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I hurt my life show. That's hashtag I hurt my life show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.